Welcome to another podcast from Fire Church Ministries. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Daniel Hagen. Glory to God. Amazing worship. Thank you, Ash. Beautiful transition. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but one of our core values, if you didn't know, you can check out our website, but one of our core values is that we prioritize presence over performance. And uh, so what do we mean by that? Well, we love to rehearse, we love to plan, we love excellence, and, uh, and we do all those things, particularly as a ministry, a worship team. Uh, we have pre-service and we plan it all out. We want things to go really well because that in itself is a form of worship, to do things in an excellent way. But we also really want to make sure that we're prioritizing, not turning into performance-based church, but a presence-based church, where we... Like, for example, Ash and the team, like we take those moments, although they weren't planned, they were spontaneous moments where we all just go, wow, and we sing a new song and it's, it's not planned and we don't know the words, but we can feel God, we can feel His presence. It's like, yes, we love you. I want to, I want to encourage us as a family, as a church, never take those moments for granted. Drink it in. Uh, the Bible talks about spiritual songs and hymns and psalms and that when we sing these songs we're actually being filled with the holy spirit who wants the holy spirit we need the holy spirit we need to be baptized in the holy spirit again and again and again filled with the holy spirit and these moments the worship the music is not a warm-up to the preach it's not christian karaoke it's it's a powerful moment worship is warfare praise is powerful amen when you say the person next to you worship is warfare and praise is powerful. Glory to God. You can grab your seats if you want. Keep standing if you want. We're a little bit different in this church if you haven't worked it out already. Uh, it's culturally, so you might see some people laid out on the floor sometimes. Uh, sometimes we'll have, uh, we call him Pop, Frank Clancy. He's been in ministry for a very, very long time. He's actually an ex-Vietnam vet. He served our country as well. Radical testimony. And he, he might go around, give, gives me a punch in the gut sometimes. And uh, giving a few people some hugs. And sometimes they fall over in the Holy Ghost. And so maybe you're new and you're like, what is going on? You might be used to doing like a little handshake greeting, peace be with you, peace be with you. Which is okay. Culturally, that's okay if you do that. But we're a little bit different. A little, some people call it freedom. Some people call it crazy. Whatever you want to call it, we're just us. Amen. Let me say to the person next to you, be you. We want to encourage you to be you, okay? We need you. I think last week we had like someone, I had to kind of look twice, but we had someone with a sword in the corner over here. And I looked twice, I'm like, do I need to get an usher onto that? And then I saw it was an imitation sword, so I'm like, okay, cool. And then, uh, but she's, you know, not a distraction, just off in the corner, having some fun in the corner. And, uh, and if you think about it, the sword is described in the Bible as the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So for her, it could have been like a, her way of expressing herself uh, prophetically. And so we've got Nevin at the back. Sometimes he blows the shofar. And uh, it might be a little bit out of time, but that's what Nevin likes to do. Amen? And uh, so we're just, we're just us. Is that all right? Some of us hug, some of us handshake. Uh, in, in, the, in the Bible times, they... It says, greet your, whole, your brethren with a holy kiss. 
And so sometimes uh, in, in maybe in different cultures like Italy, you might get two kisses on each cheek. I don't so much do that, but if you do, that's okay with me too. Amen? So there's all different cultures, but we want to be a kingdom culture church, a holy church. We love the word, love the presence, and we want, it, we want people to feel like they can be free to express their worship. It might be a little bit different than yours and the way you do things, but express yourself freely. Amen? Jesus, I'm excited. I love the word. I'm off to Geelong after this. Pray for me. It's a big day. I'm going to be completing. They're also um, going through the Blessed Life series. I'm going to be helping them complete that series. All of our campuses have gone through that. I think we're almost completed in every campus. They're all taking up the, um, the miracle offering, our annual miracle offering. We've already completed that. Thank you. I think we're close already to raising something like 40,000. I think some of the, uh, don't, uh, the promised donations are still coming in, but let's give Jesus a, a clap for that. We are, we've committed uh, 4,000 of that to a local community group, um, a pregnancy crisis center. There's two of those in our city in Frankston, and they work with the disadvantaged, and they do a lot of great work. And sadly, they rarely receive donations. They were so blown away that a church would donate that amount of money. It meant so much to them. And so uh, next week, we're going to show you two videos on the big screen uh, from each center. And uh, it's just them sharing their heart, thanking us as a community, as a church. And uh, it's great to be able to bless our city. I just heard uh, some interesting information in Frankston North. We, we once uh, met in the Pines area in a community center before we met in here. And apparently there's some really extreme great changes happening that even the council are noting. Uh, apparently Frankston North Football Club won the premiership. Don't know how much, I think it's been like a very, very long time since they've done that. But all the footy fans, amen. Uh, and it definitely must be the Holy Ghost. <laughs> and uh, apparently one of the major drug operations that took place in there um, has moved on, has moved out. So... Uh, I got some inside information about that, <laughs> uh, and and what else? There, there was some other major. The high school, in there, uh, statistically, uh, in all of the uh, Peninsula region, are now rated very highly, which has been for a very long time. They've always had students that have really struggled in that region. So the city, in many ways, is being cleaned up, and I believe it's because of your prayers, because of our outreach, and God is doing things in our city. Amen. So we want to keep blessing our city and believe that uh, those old, the old reputation of Frankston, and one of the reasons we moved in here was because of that reputation, is going to change. And we're going to see this as a heavenly city. It's going to be remembered as a city of revival. Amen? Glory to God. So bless you guys for your um, generosity. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, once we've completed all of the uh, miracle offerings in the other campuses. We're going to show you what the rest of that money is going towards. Oh, we were also able to donate uh, some money towards the cyclone uh, devastation that took place in Mozambique because we have missionaries that we support on a weekly basis there, actually. Ash, Ash and Ros Field, who we have been supporting them for a very, very long time. They're base leaders for um, Heidi and uh, Roland Baker in Mozambique, and they work also in uh, South Africa, but they're going, they're going right into the heart of what's happening and helping out with 
the devastation that's taken place there. So we've been able to contribute towards that, which is great. So why don't you say to the person next to you, thank you for helping Mozambique. And uh, we want to bring up our equipment levels, our ability to be able to catch a, capture what we do uh, with technology. So cameras, audio, uh, not just in this campus, but all of the campuses. We see it as one church in many locations. We're really reviewing uh, and revisiting how we do uh, church, particularly in the other locations and we're bringing in we've been talking with the board about it for a number of months we're bringing in an expert pretty soon to do a two-day intensive with our core team someone that's worked with Mark and Darlene Check over on the central coast they've got four uh, campuses in a, in, a, in a kind of similar fashion to the way we do uh, church so we're going to bring in someone that's been working with them closely as well and uh, so we're, we're always learning and growing as a team and working at how we can do things better as a church to be able to really bless our communities and ultimately win people to Jesus and make disciples. Amen? Glory to God. Just had to get a few of those exciting things off my chest. Who's ready for the Word? I went overtime last time, this morning, the 9 o'clock service, but we had, I think, at least 20 people respond to the altar call, which was really powerful. I believe we're going to have a full altar call this morning as well. We're talking about the three pillars for sustained revival. That's the title of my message. I only got to one of the pillars on the nine o'clock service. Uh, I did touch on the other two, but I'm okay. I think it's going to happen again this morning. We're more going to emphasize the first pillar because we've spent a lot of time on the second pillar and on the third pillar, particularly last year and the year before that. So I'm going I'm to quickly run through what the three pillars are. Three pillars for sustained revival. How many people want revival? Hello? Yeah! Woo-woo-woo-woo! Now, maybe some of you are going, well, I don't, don't know if revival is going to happen. There's a great falling away, brother. That's true. The Bible does say there's a great falling away. But in the midst of darkness, God is doing revivals. He is moving and He's looking for people that will believe Him. He's not willing that anyone should perish. What is revival? To make alive. Without God, we're dead in our transgressions. And so revival is seeing dead people, dead spiritually, come alive in Him. Amen? And to live in a place of life, live alive in God. Amen? And so we want to see that sustained. We don't want to just see it... uh, you know, a revival fire fizzle out. It should never fizzle out. We should live in a place of revival. I was doing some just devotion time. I have often two, two Bibles and, and the iPad as well with different translations. But uh, a guy, I was so privileged to meet a man named Winky Pratney last year and his wife. Has anyone heard of Winky Pratney? If you understand the 70s and uh, early 80s, and uh, the, if you've heard of the Jesus People movement, you've heard of people like Keith Green, uh, Lonnie, Frisbee, Lonnie Frisbee, and, and others. There was a, this really, really amazing move of God that took place. And, and many of us have really been impacted and affected by it, even if you didn't realize you have been, you have been, uh, from the Jesus People movement. Anyway, Winky Pratney was a great teacher, and, uh, and he wrote this amazing book about the Holy Spirit that spread like wildfire before the days of 
you know, publishers and, and uh, social media. This thing just organically spread right throughout the Jesus People movement. And he was a great teacher and really brought a great level of maturity to the Jesus People movement because there was a lot of immaturity amongst it as well. So he really helped in the way of discipleship. And uh, so I knew a little bit about him, but I didn't know him. And one day I was preaching on the Gold Coast and he was sitting in the front row, got to have lunch with him afterwards and found out he's, he was working for a long time with a number of other people compiling a, uh, I was just looking at Celia then because she gave us one of the, the Bibles, but compiling a revival Bible and, uh, and basically gathering all information about different modern day revivals that have taken place over the previous centuries. And uh, it was, it's really cool. So anyway, I was in that looking at that and so I'm, I have to give, um, I have to make note that the, not so much the definition but these three pillars or principles I got from studying some of the footnotes of that revival Bible. So, uh, and so these are the three different pillars that we're going to be looking at. The first one is the conscience, okay? The second one is identity. The third one is destiny. Now, I'm really happy about the second one at the moment. Let's go to the second one. I'm happy at where the church is, where we are, because we have been hammering this. We have been teaching on this. All of us, uh, most of us here are pretty strong in this area, theologically. Maybe you haven't seen it lived out fully yet, but theologically, we're really starting to understand our identity, or another way to say it is who you are in Christ. Very, very important. I'm probably not going to spend too much time on that today because we've already been hitting it from multiple angles. And you can probably speak to many different people in here and they can help you in that if you're not quite sure about your identity in Christ. Number three, destiny. That's the call. It's your purpose. All of these things are very, very important. And we need to be teaching around these three pillars if we're going to see sustained revival. People need to know They need to be looking forward. They need to be walking in their destiny, in their God-given purpose, and walking in it and towards it. Amen? So we're always moving forward. Uh, I don't believe we should ever take a a back step. Sometimes we have to stand because we go through seasons where there's storms. There's all sorts of crazy stuff that goes through us. Maybe even we've failed. Maybe even we've fallen, but we don't have to go back. We don't have to look left and right. We can stand. And the Bible says, when I've done all to stand, I'll stand. But I'm not going back and I'm not looking left and right. Might have got hit, might have got hurt for a while, might have got wounded, but I'm not going back. And then, I, and then we walk forward. The storm passes and we walk forward and we keep going forward and, and we're called to look forward. Amen? By the way, wasn't Pop's message amazing last week? I love it. I was talking to Ivan and uh, he was just saying how like just hard hitting and straightforward it was and, and uh, I love it. Pops, you know, served in, in Vietnam and uh, he's just, I, I feel like he's just got nothing, he's living like he's got nothing to lose. He's like, I'm just telling the truth. I don't care what people think. I'm going to sp- preach and speak the truth of the Word of God and we honor you for that, mate. Thank you. In an, in an era and in an age where many are shunning to preach, that they're shunning from preaching the full counsel, you're not shunning, but you're, you're standing firm. So we thank you for that. So number one, conscience. Number two, identity. Number three, destiny. All right, let's, let's start with conscience. 
conscience, I'm going to give you a few descriptions. Some are from dictionary definitions, and I'm going to try and keep it around the Bible. I've only picked out, well, actually, the, di- the dictionary definition is um, in line with uh, God's uh, description throughout Scripture of what the conscience is. But I want to tell you that all, and we haven't had much teaching on this, I don't, I don't feel. Uh, not enough, anyway. This is very, very, very important that we walk with a clear and clean conscience, that we understand what the conscience is is okay now i just need to to say this before i move on because we're probably not going to get to uh, the identity too much but knowing who you are in christ is important we're healed we're we're delivered we're set free we are forgiven we're blood-bought saints we're holy we're righteous okay Uh, that's who we are now Uh, We're no longer dead in our transgressions, but we've been made holy. We've been made alive through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. All of these things, hopefully that's been ingrained into you now. The mind of Christ is is on you. And by the way, it's something that you continue to remind yourself about on a daily basis. Part of the renewing of the mind that brings transformation. But I want to make sure that we are not distorting that message and forgetting about the importance of living with, on a daily basis, a clear and clean conscience. So it's one thing to say that you're holy because He's holy, which is fine and theologically correct, but then if you're veering off and you're pushing away the conviction of your conscience and walking in a practice of sin... That's distortion and that's deception. It's distorting the message through your lifestyle and it's deception. And we don't want to do that. So that's why all three pillars are important. We're teaching people about their destiny. We're teaching people about their identity. But also, we're teaching people about the importance of living with, on a daily basis, a clear and clean conscience. The Apostle Paul said on Many times when he stood before those that accused him, he stood and he said, I, my conscience is clean before God. And I believe that's one of the reasons he had so much faith and boldness because he knew not only was he made, not only was he righteous scripturally, but he knew that his lifestyle before God, his conscience on a daily basis, he said, this day I know my conscience is clean. Before God. I think that's in Acts chapter 23. And then chapter 24, he takes it a step further. He says, my conscience is clean before God and before man. It's one thing to have a clean conscience before God. And we know there's no mediator between man and God. And so what does that mean? We can confess to God and he brings forgiveness. But also it's important to have a clean conscience before man. So if you've done wrong to man, to do make right. And not just say, oh, God will forgive me and just leave the mess over there. Go over and help fix the mess if you've made it. And do all you can to make sure that your conscience is clean before man and before God. Amen? So let's give Jesus some praise for that. I went to the dentist a few days ago. Who likes dentists? Boo. Do we have any dentists in the house? Anyone that's 
in that field? Good. All right, I can speak freely. <laughs> oh, actually, this dentist was really did a really good job. Um, so I had some work that I had been putting off. Uh, my nervous system, my uh, you know, the nervous system that triggers pain in your physical body that alerts you that something something's wrong. That had been going off for a while, and I'd just been trying to push it aside, push it down, and just procrastinate. I don't want to deal with this right now. How many people do that when it comes to the dentist? <laughs> but it's interesting how God created us, isn't it? How that, that the sensitivity or the pain alerts that there's a cavity or that there's something wrong, there's a nerve exposed, there's something wrong. And sometimes, particularly with vital organs, that's really important. If you've got a certain pain in area, you go to a doctor, get it checked out because it could be something that you need, need, you need to attend to it. It could be something serious. And so God has created us with that sensitivity and that alert, if you like, uh, to, to make sure that we're getting it checked out. Amen? And in the same way, our conscience does the same thing to alert us that something is wrong with our soul or something is wrong with our spirit. And we need to attend to it. I'm going to read this. In the physical realm, the conscience is comparable to the human nervous system. When a person is wounded, he feels pain. The body's inherent means of alerting him that something is wrong. Likewise, when a person sins, the human soul has warning system that sounds an alarm because the person's actions have wounded him spiritually. The soul alarms trumpets. Mayday, mayday, something is wrong. He senses that his actions are not only wrong, but will also result in destructive consequences. Now it's possible even for Christians to have that mayday, mayday, that alarm sound going off in your conscience and to push it off and to be in a place of deception where you push it off and you keep doing it and you keep doing it and then you begin to twist scripture, twist the identity message, keep doing it, keep doing it and it's really possible then to get into a place where like it says in 1 Timothy, I think chapter 4, where we can get in a place where we fall prey to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils and even depart the faith. And it goes on to say, searing their conscience as with a hot iron. In other words, it's, your conscience becomes so hard and calloused that you don't even listen to the conviction of the Holy Spirit anymore and it can get so bad that you grieve the Holy Spirit out of the recesses of your heart and depart the faith. Whoa. I have to tell you this stuff. Chelsea and I were talking about as ministers, we have a responsibility not to draw crowds, but to preach the truth. If crowds come, then awesome, but we will preach the truth. Amen? It would be a horrible day if we stand before God and we get into heaven but then we look at people that have been in this church, maybe even attended or even a part of the team, but because we, we did not preach the truth, they didn't make it to heaven. They fell prey to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils and went to hell. You know, hell's real. It's a real place, not designed for you. It's not meant to be for you. God didn't create hell. He didn't create evil. He created an archangel called Lucifer. 
and many other angels. An innumerable company, the, the Bible describes them as, which means so many it's, you can't even count. Innumerable company of angels. Lucifer in Ezekiel is described as being beautiful and perfect in the sense of holy, not created with evil intentions, but was created with a free will. Just like us as human beings, we are free will agents. We are free will human beings. And that's why love is so powerful, because we have the ability to love. We're not forced to love. We weren't created to be robots, but we're created in the image of God with the ability to do right or to do wrong. And God created us with this conscience. Every human being has a conscience. Even unbelievers still have a conscience, although defiled and corrupted, some more than others. And we see right around the world the levels of the moral compass is just on all different levels in different places. Because people's consciences have been seared or they're defiled because they're not in line with the will of God. And we see it's okay in some countries to push off, push people off roofs and murder them and kill them as part of their justice system because of their sexuality. But that's not okay according to God's morals uh, standing in the Word of God. Are you with me on that? So morality is like twisted and bizarre and different in all different uh, communities because we've gotten away from God and we're following a defiled, corrupted conscience. But God wants to clean your conscience. If you're not born again, He wants your conscience to come alive again, to be sensitive again to His ways. I remember when I got born again. Sorry if I'm uh, getting off track a little bit. But I remember when I got born again, something so powerful happened. I, for around five years, maybe a little bit longer, I've been in the music industry taking a lot of drugs up late at night because the nightclubs, my work was at night. And so we're all hours of the morning and it was always dark. The only lights were the lights of the nightclub. And when I, got, I was either up for days on drugs, on amphetamines and whatever else I could put in my body, or I was depressed and asleep and anxious in my room with the blinds shut. And that's, that was my life for quite some time. It's a horrible life. It's fake, fickle, horrible. And, uh, but then I got born again and everything changed. I remember all of a sudden the sunlight just seemed so amazing. These things that we can take for granted sometimes. And uh, I remember looking at the sun and thinking, wow, looking at the flowers. And you're like, whoa, isn't God amazing? Because I'm born again now. My conscience is alive. My awareness of the reality of God and His love and His goodness, uh, this amazing creator. It's like a, like a little kid in a candy store. <laughs> it was awesome. It still is. But I remember when it was first awakened. It's like, wow. I felt like that my taste and, and natural senses had even been heightened and alive. And uh, even things like I, I would see a look at a banana and just think, whoa, this is amazing. It's got its own biodegradable wrapper. God is awesome. Who said God doesn't like the environment? I mean, come on, greens. You should look at our God, man. He, he made this beautiful fruit with this biodegradable wrapper that we eat. And I'm like, how did I ever get sucked into even 
contemplating the possibility that all that was just an accident and that somehow nothing created something. The Big Bang Theory, man, that is ridiculous. That takes, no wonder the Bible says a fool says in his heart there is no God. And you look at the sun and it's like, if it was any closer, we'd all shrivel up. It's in a perfect place to warm our tomatoes, to grow the fruit, because God positioned it there for us, because he loves us. That's why it says in Romans, we all have a conscience and awareness that God is real. It says we'll be without excuse on that day because creation itself is the best preacher. Creation itself proves that there is a creator. But we need our conscience. If you're not saved, you need to get saved and your conscience will come alive and be sensitive now to holiness and to God's ways. I was talking to, uh, how am I going for time here? I was talking to Ivan a little earlier. Do you mind if I dob you in, bro? And uh, Ivan said, man, he said, I feel like I'm, I've been checkmate. I'm in checkmate. God's checkmate. He's got me in the corner. And because, uh, and I mean, like me, Ivan's been involved in all sorts of stuff in the past. And he's doing such a great job now. He's clean off drugs and off alcohol for many, many years. Yay, God. He's looking at possibly doing Bible college next month. I remember when you were baptized here, bro, it was such a powerful time. And you've been involved in all sorts of weird spiritual stuff and Satanism and crazy stuff in the past. And, uh, and I remember he just mentioned it before we were in worship and it reminded me because it just this example suits this message so much. He said, he goes, bro, I really wanted to get this uh, software, recording software. And he said in times past, he would just get it but not pay for it like illegally how many people have done that uh-oh cop there are copyright rules after this message we're all going to go home and burn some stuff and we're all going to repent but um ivan said he goes man i can't do it i i just can't get it illegally anymore god has done something to me where now he's going to have to pay a thousand bucks for this thing that he could have easily just got illegally and, uh, but he said, I can't do it because his conscience has, been, has come alive in God and he doesn't want to violate his conscience, wants to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. So, bro, thank you for being a, a great example. And, and that's what happens when you become a Christian. You want to follow his ways. Obviously, it's important that we're, we're continually reading the Word of God and spending time with His presence because... You can be ignorantly violating your conscience sometimes if, you're, if the framework is incorrect, if your understanding of God's way is incorrect. So it's important that, we, uh, that we're in the Word of God so that we know His will so that we can confidently follow that inner unction of the conscience. Amen? I'm going to give you a dictionary definition now. And this really does help bring and articulate the biblical definition too, which is cool. The inner sense of what is right or wrong in one's conduct or motives, impelling one toward right action, to follow the dictates of conscience, the complex of ethical and moral principles that controls or inhabits the actions and thoughts of an individual. Another definition of conscience is, to, is uh, literally to possess co-knowledge. 
And I thought that was really interesting when I was studying that. Co-knowledge. Science equals knowledge. Conscience is co meaning more than one. So God's given us co-knowledge. But the individual has co-knowledge. So who do we share that knowledge with? God. Amen? He's given us his, his knowledge of what right and wrong is. It can be defiled, it can be seared, we can push it off, but every human being has got co-knowledge. He's created us in his image. Isn't that amazing? It's a supernatural thing. I'm telling you, evolution cannot create a conscience. Animals don't have consciences in the same way that human beings do. We're different than any other living thing. God has breathed in us. Are you with me? That's why you don't have animals that have a justice system. Human beings do. Because God created us to understand right and wrong. A child does not have a fully awakened conscience yet. And it's interesting that even in our human justice system, we recognize that. And a child will have less consequences for sometimes even gross crimes than what an adult would because we understand that their ability to recognize right and wrong has not yet fully been established. Isn't that interesting? In the same way, all children go to heaven. Have you ever wondered why? That's part of the reason. They haven't yet been fully, they're not fully grown in their ability to recognize right and wrong. Therefore, they're not fully accountable before God, and so all children go to heaven. But some Jewish scholars believe around the age of 13, and I believe it's a similar type of age, depending on the child, it can vary, but roughly 13 onwards, you get to a point where you really start to recognize in a, in a full way right and wrong. And pretty much from that point, you really need to make sure that you're right with God, that you're born again, and, uh, and that you're following His ways because you will be accountable before God. You with me? I want to take us now to some scripture. Titus chapter 1 verse 15. Is this okay? Titus chapter 1 verse 15. I want to back up some of the stuff that I've been saying with scripture. To the pure... All things are pure, but to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But even their mind and conscience, everyone say conscience, are defiled. So unbelievers, they have a conscience, but it's been defiled. And that's why we have all sorts of twisted levels of morality around the world. Conscience has been defiled. Your ability to hear God... Can be, it can become, the voice of God becomes dull and you can be easily deceived by seducing spirits when your conscience has been defiled. Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. I touched on this before, but I really want you to see it for yourself. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, I just want to stop there for a minute. Pop preached last, last week and and. 
reminded us, and for some it was a f- the first time hearing something like this, that we are absolutely in the last of last days. It's been foretold what we're seeing play out in the news and on the internet and, and various uh, media outlets, all these things happening around the, around the world. It's all been uh, mapped out and marked out uh, prophetically in Scripture. And if you didn't get a chance to hear that, check the podcast out. It's probably going to be up very soon. But we're absolutely in the last of last days. And here it says, the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times or latter days, some will depart from the faith. That means it's possible that us here as Christians can depart from the faith. Why? Because we still have a free will. You become a Christian, you still have a free will. He'll never leave you or forsake you, but you can leave Him. And here it's quite clear. You've got to be in something to depart it. So they were in the faith, departed it. Why? Because they gave heed. Maybe they stopped reading the Bible. They started listening to to twisted preaching. And they started to get seduced by sin and become deceived. And they begin to sear their conscience. Their conscience, that that thing that they used to follow became calloused and hard. And and they no longer repented, no longer kept a short uh, list with God, no longer went to God. But pride started to creep in, no longer had accountability, no longer went to that small group or or, or uh, gathered together with, with church uh, people and family and begin to depart. And it's easy to fall into the satanic ways and not even realize it. That's why we need each other. That's why it says here, the Spirit expressly says, it's a warning. Depart from the faith, giving heed to uh, seducing spirits, doctrines of demons, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared as with a hot iron. As I was studying this, it started off with a devotion time around two weeks ago. And as I was studying this out, I'm like, man, I have to teach on this. We've done well in in teaching the identity and getting people established and strong in that. And we've done well in talking about the call and the purpose and the fivefold and all those things and business. And we're not going to stop teaching on that in a holistic way. They're all a part of the pillars of sustained revival that we're all hungering for. But we must not forsake sometimes this message of the conscience, which could potentially be unpopular. We cannot forsake that. We must teach people the full counsel of God. The Apostle Paul said, I did not shun to preach the full counsel of God, which means the good stuff and sometimes the more severe or to our flesh, the hard stuff. Amen. We need it all. Everyone say we need it all. The whole truth and nothing but the truth. Help me, God. All right. Let's go quickly now to Acts chapter 23, verse 1. Get him, God. Get him, God. You know, we had a member of this church that sadly, on New Year's Eve, uh, two New Year's Eves ago now, drowned. And uh, it was, man, it was, a, it was a bad day. And we loved him. Paul, his name, name was, for those that maybe a new, and uh, towards the end of his life, man, his conscience had been made cl- clean and clear, and the fruit of that was so evident, like he, he wanted accountability in his life, and uh, he was, you know, confessing sin, he was changing, there was fruit, I remember the day he got baptized, he was so excited, he's like, you know, I want to get baptized because I recognize I haven't been living right for God, and one of his sayings, he used to sit there when the preaching was on, because he was so excited, He knew that he had it, but he wanted other people to get it. 
So he's like, get him, God. He'd be saying that while we're preaching. Get him, God. And I just, I just I was reminded of that. It's almost like he's cheering us on in heaven. Get him, God. Come on, Jesus. His name was Paul. And of course, there's a famous Paul in the scriptures. And, and check out what he said, Acts 23.1. The apostle Paul said, looking earnestly at the council, said, men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. So he knew from this point, he's in good conscience before God. He kept short records on a daily basis because he wasn't perfect. In our humanity, we can make mistakes, but we keep our conscience clean through confession, repentance, and then we get forgiveness. We can't just stand on a scripture and live however we want. We have to stand on all the scriptures. Amen? He, goes, he takes it a step further, which was really interesting. Because we know that there's one mediator between man and God. And sometimes we think, oh, I'll just say, forgive me, God. And then just let everyone else clean up the mess. But he takes it a step further here in verse 16. He says, oh, sorry, verse, chapter 24, verse 16. He says, this being so... I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and men. This idea that we shouldn't strive, I mean, we, you know, we, we shouldn't strive in a wrong way, but here Paul says, I strive to have a good conscience. I've heard it said that we shouldn't be sin conscience, conscious. And I, to a degree, understand where that statement comes from. We don't want to be um, living in a place of paranoia where we just think God hates us and we don't know who we are in Christ. And so that side of it, yes. But if you read the scriptures and you read the Bible, uh, you're going to see uh, on many, many occasions the warning against sin and to keep your conscience clear. Amen? This being so, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and men. Your conscience will be sensitive even to the little things. You cannot violate the Word of God. You will not violate the will and the Word of God in any way. Jesus, the King of Kings, was baptized by John the Baptist. John recognized, he's like, I'm not even worthy to, worthy to un, undo your sandals. But he recognized he needed to go through the process to fulfill all righteousness. He walked with a clear conscience. Paul wanted to do the same thing, walk with a clear conscience, fulfilling all righteousness in our everyday thoughts, actions, and everything that we do. And your conscience, if you're not walking in absolute fulfillment of his will your conscience will give you that alert just like my teeth <laughs> were giving me that pain alert you need some work done here son your conscience will do the same thing don't keep going down don't procrastinate live on a daily basis with a clean conscience for some you may not know god and this is totally new and the word is beginning to cut through where you've once had a seared conscience maybe even ignorantly, not even realizing what a conscience is. 
to its full degree. And the word is cutting in right now because it's alive and active. It's supernatural. It cuts through past the flesh, the soul, the body, right through into the very core of who you are to bring conviction. The Holy Spirit right now, I'm partnering with the Holy Spirit. This teaching is in line with the work of the Spirit because the Bible says the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin, of righteousness, and of the judgment to come. So here I am partnering with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is present. The Bible says, the Bible talks about the hand of conviction upon the hearts of men. That's happening right now. I'm going to finish with this. And this is what really triggered me. This is what started it off in my devotional time. And I just think it just, in more modern day English, really, this is what got me really diving deep into this topic of the conscience. I'm going to read from the Passion Translation. I'm going to finish on this. Chapter 32. I believe that this, I really want you to pay attention to this. This is going to bring revelation that brings conviction, that brings healing and change. Who wants that? So open up your heart and have a listen to this. How happy and fulfilled are those whose rebellion has been forgiven. Those whose sins are covered by blood. Your conscience can be made new and cleansed because of the blood of Jesus by faith. Verse 2, how blessed and relieved are those who have confessed their corruption to God. Everyone say confessed. In the New Testament in James, it says, confess your sins to one another, and then healing comes. Sometimes we need to make it right with people. Or if there's been a, like a skeleton in the closet, some of you might have had it for years, and it's been, like, it's been messing with your inner life. There's been frustration and turmoil because no one else knows about it but you, and you're dealing with this weight of it. And even right through this message, you've been thinking about it. You can pull that thing out today because you're with family. We've got a ministry team. We're going to invite some people up soon. We can smash those skeletons and you can have a brand new start and that weight and that frustration can come off your life and healing can come. He wipes our slates clean, it says here, and removes hypocrisy from their hearts. Before I confessed my sins, I kept it all inside. My dishonesty devastated my inner life. Sometimes we have dishonesty and sin that's hidden. And then our inner life is in a mess. And it affects who we are. It affects our destiny. And everything goes wrong. And we think, how can I change? And we try to get counsel. And we try to find all these different reasons, all these help methods or self-help methods, but we don't realize it's the sin, the inner sin, the hypocrisy, the, the things, the habitual practices, the, the, the ongoing um, ways that we press off the conviction of our conscience that's causing that turmoil in our life. And we can have healing to the spirit and to the soul. Amen. Just feel the pleasure of heaven. This message is so needed in the body of Christ, man. We need to speak the truth in love. This is not a message of condemnation. This is a message to partner with the conviction, the hand, the conviction of God. Because He wants to bring healing. He loves you.
Amen. Before I confessed my sins, I kept it all inside. My dishonesty devastated my inner life, causing my life to be filled with frustration, irrepressible anguish and misery. The pain never let up, for your hand of conviction was heavy on my heart. I feel that right now supernaturally. This, the hand of conviction is heavy upon the hearts of men right now and women. My strength was sapped. My inner life dried up like a spiritual drought within my soul. Then finally, I admitted to you all my sins, refusing to hide them any longer. I said, my life-giving God, I will openly acknowledge my evil actions. And you forgave me. All at once, the guilt of my sin washed away and all my pain disappeared. I want to invite everyone to stand to their feet. Thanks for listening to another message from Fire Church Ministries. For more messages like this and other resources and information, go to our website, firechurch.com.au.